Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Fanboy Comics Podcast. I am your host, Clay, and today is Friday. So, which means we are going to be dealing with the Ultimate Universe and the Injustice Universe on DC. So, I am a little tired. I will admit, uh, it is morning. I could not sleep very well last night. I think I woke up like six times. It was horrible. But, we're going to be talking about... uh, Oh my gosh, I blanked. Uh, Ultimate X-Men number one through six. And we're going to be talking about Injustice year two, one through six. We finally reached year two. Uh, something happened that I'm not very happy about. But we will get to it when we get to it. Now, let's go ahead and jump right into the books. But before we do, I just want to say thank you for choosing this podcast to listen to. Please hit the subscribe button and please share with your friends. Now, let's go ahead and start talking about Ultimate X-Men number one. Alright, so X-Men number one, Ultimate X-Men number one. Now, I will say throughout this entire series, uh, nothing really happens except for really one thing. This is the fight between the X-Men and Magneto, basically. Now, this is very reminiscent of, of course, the very first X-Men title, uh, and I believe... I believe it was X-Men, and then it turned into Astonishing X-Men. But the X-Men title back then, of course, introduced mutants, introduced the the Brotherhood of Evil. And that's what it does here. Uh, It very much uh, shows that the U.S. has created the Sentinel program, which, of course, Sentinels are these giant robots that are programmed to eradicate all uh, mutants. Now, one thing that I love about the X-Men, and it's going to sound weird to say that I love this, but it, it I love it because it shows something that we as human beings need to know, uh, need to be aware of, and especially now, especially now, uh, what is going on in the real world. We don't need to hide... <coughs> Excuse me, from the fact that our history has been created and what and for the most part, a lot of U.S. history, unfortunately, was built on racism. This as X-Men's as X-Men as far as X-Men goes, I'm tripping on all my words. As far as X-Men goes, the mutants is an allegory for for black Americans. And here, you know, we we see that US is very scared of very scared of them, the government's scared of them, they want to suppress them, they want to kill them. And here uh Magneto is very much uh, I don't know exactly. Uh I forgot who I I know somebody's going to freaking chew me out, so I'm going to go ahead and read it here. Um, Magneto was based off of Malcolm X. That's who it was. Uh, Magneto was based off of Malcolm X while, uh, uh, while freaking, uh, oh my gosh. See, I would really hope if these guys would come a little later in the day for the kitchen to deal with all that stuff. But I know I want to get it done as quickly as possible. So I understand them coming in so early. Anyway, so 
uh, Professor X is based off of MLK. So, we basically, for the first two or three issues, honestly, get a introduction to all of the heroes. It introduces Iceman, Bobby, of course, also. He is actually the odd one out. Uh, the team has already basically been put together. And in the original X-Men, you had Beast, you had Marvel Girl, you had Cyclops, you had Bobby, who is Iceman, and then Angel. Now, here in Ultimate X-Men, the team, who is uh, made up of Beast, Colossus, oh, excuse me, Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Storm, and Wolverine. Right? Hold on. Let me say that again. Beast, Colossus, Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Storm, Wolverine, and Bobby. That's the whole team that is introduced in this book. And then, of course, like I said, they introduce uh, Magneto and the Brotherhood of Evil. Uh... Wolverine is actually somebody who has already been captured by, like, the, the uh, Weapon X program. And, like, you find out that he is actually under a mission from Magneto. And, oh my gosh, there is just something constantly just vibrating outside that is just... Okay, it stopped. It's probably going to turn back on, and that's going to be so annoying. I may just have to leave it in because of how constant it is. And it's probably like in the middle of my talking, so I can't get rid of it anyway. Anyway, uh, Wolverine is actually an assassin that was hired by Magneto to kill uh, Professor Xavier. But throughout the book, he does start to, you know, come accustomed to the team. But... The really big thing is that Magneto has actually kidnapped the president's daughter. And so the team goes and uh, basically rescues her. And I believe they're in Croatia. Is that what it is? Yeah, Croatia. Uh, and so they rescue her. Uh, Wolverine is actually the one to rescue her. And everybody else is still at Croatia and the citizens of Croatia kind of just see all this chaos happening and they assume oh it's just the mutants they don't they don't understand that the brotherhood of evil kidnapped the president's daughter and you know the x-men are there to save them you know they all they see is mutants and so all they want to do is try to kill them there's a little bit of a scare uh you see that uh beast is unconscious and possibly dead as well as uh, Scott gets sniped and gets hit in the chest with a sniper. But you you see that it is Kevlar. He is safe. And then uh, Beast actually is saved by Professor X and Jean Grey. But the one big thing is, you know, we see Wolverine having some sort of a relationship with Jean Grey. Scott doesn't really like that. He actually leaves the X-Men to go visit Magneto to be on his team and in issue 5 they actually um, you know 
they go on, you know, some of their terrorist-esque missions, and Scott really isn't the one to, like, be the terrorist. He's just the getaway driver. And, you know, he's very upset that, you know, uh, at the very beginning, there was a mission where they were going to set off a bomb to basically scare people. That's what, you know, Magneto told him. But Quicksilver actually set the bomb off too early and possibly hurt a lot of people. And so he's mad about that. He's talking to Magneto about it. Magneto is telling him that there's sacrifice in, you know, the race to peace. And, you know, Cyclops says, I'm never going to kill for you. And he's like, don't worry, I'm never going to ask you to. And I think that's more of like, I have others that will be able to, so I'm not going to ask you to kind of thing. But the uh, U.S. government was able to find uh, this savage land where Magneto was hiding. And now they're sending like 50 sentinels to destroy Magneto and the Savage Land. Magneto is able to uh, take control of them because, of course, they are metal. And he reprograms them to kill all humans. Scott uh, gets in contact, Cyclops gets in contact with uh, Professor X and then you know they basically evacuate Washington and there's a huge fight between all of the X-Men and Magneto the Sentinels you know because X-Men are trying to save the humans and basically it comes down to a big showdown between uh, Xavier and uh, Magneto and Magneto does lose because Wolverine actually turns on Magneto. Of course, he, like I said, he was kind of growing fond of the team. And he says it. He's like, I'm, I'm not going to be here. And uh, he says, uh, I'm not playing. F- I'm, I'm playing for the other team. You, t- you told us life was just a choice between, wipe, uh, between them wiping us out and the Homo sapien holocaust. You always wanted, uh, but Charles offered me a third option. And he said, uh, you know, Magneto was like, okay, well, what is that third option? And he says, well, that third option is the fact that we're all a part of the human race and we can be together. And Magneto is not having it whatsoever. But Quicksilver, out of nowhere, he was kind of seen as the jerk and the psychopath here in the book. He actually helps, you know, Scott convinced him to help the X-Men, and he runs as fast as he can past Magneto, and you see that he grabbed his helmet, which does prevent Xavier from going into his mind. But now without it, Xavier was able to do it. And what he ends up doing, in a really weird way, I'm not entirely sure if this is technically possible with his power set, but... He amplifies the magnetism inside of Magneto, which puts all of the Sentinels, like, basically in the air into a giant ball, and then it explodes, and then basically they save the day. And that is issues one through six. Um, I liked it. I enjoyed the art. I enjoyed the characters. Um, One thing I didn't, like, was kind of a pet peeve, which I thought was a little silly, is it basically shows how young these people are, uh, the X-Men. 
Uh, I think the only one that is older, or at least hints that is older, is of course Wolverine. And then they sh they tell you that Bobby is only 15 years old. Everybody else is like 18 or 19. And they talk down to Bobby like as if he's 10 or 9. Like, oh yeah, I, I, I wouldn't expect anything less from a 15 year old. I'm like, what are you talking about? That was three years for you. That was four years for you. That's, that's not a very long time. Like, I understand people can learn and grow in four years. But you're still a child. You haven't even reached your 20s yet. Chill out. Like, really. That was, like, one of my biggest pet peeves of this entire book. But other than that, it's still a very good read. I am looking forward to seeing more X-Men. I think issue 7 is the technical first appearance of Nightcrawler in the Ultimate Universe. So that's going to be fun. But let's go ahead and move on to Injustice Year Two. All right. So year two, the very first issue I really enjoyed. It was a flashback called uh, Third Wheel, and it was Hal Jordan, Green Arrow, and Canary all in their civilian clothes. So Hal, Oliver, and Dinah, and they went out for a drink, and you can tell that they just left a mission, you know, and it kind of was weighing on Hal because he was probably like the uh, I guess, the powerhouse of that mission. And so there, he's like, I'm, you know, I just saved the planet. Can we just, like, chill out? And I hate being the third wheel. You know, that's the whole reason why it's called third wheel. And they're out getting a drink in a bar. And all of a sudden, this big biker dude taps Dinah on the shoulder. He's like, hey, I want to buy you a drink. And, and Oliver just kind of snickers. And the dude's like, did you laugh at me? What what, what are you doing, man? You know, what's wrong with you? And Dinah is not having it. Dinah is not okay with some random dude just sizing up Oliver. So, uh, she says, I'm the only person who's able to touch him inappropriately. And uh, this guy is like, you need, you need your girl to protect you? <laughs> and Oliver's like, no, I don't need to. But I love it when she does. And you just see her throw this dude across the bar hitting all these people and Dinah just beats the crap out of everybody and this one dude that was kind of sizing up Oliver he grabs a chair and he's about to smash it across Dinah's back and Oliver literally flicks a peanut right into his his eye basically blinds him for a second and Dinah knocks him out and Dinah's like you didn't have to do that he's like what it was just a peanut She's like, you didn't have to do that. I was like, he's like, oh, I literally just moved one finger. I didn't do anything. And uh, she's like, what'd she say? She said, uh, oh, because Ollie's like, did you not hear what he said about my beard? Like, kind of like, hey, I need to do something about it. And he's like, yeah, I did. And uh, you didn't need to act. I was defending your honor. And he said, and I appreciate it. <laughs> and uh and Hal is just sitting there drinking his beer and he's like, you know what? I'm totally the third wheel. And Dinah's like, you know what? I'm sorry that we're making you feel a little uncomfortable, but you uh you definitely deserve acknowledgement over what you did today. So uh to Hal, savior of the world, and the finest third wheel a man and a girl could ever ask for. And it then it goes to present time 
and they're at the funeral for Oliver Queen. And the two very up front are Dinah and Hal. And you very much notice that there's two people, or there's two groups on each side of Oliver's grave. And of course, if you notice, it is the Regime and the Justice League. Uh, of course, the Justice League is Superman's team while the Regime is Batman's team. And they go their separate ways, and Dinah and Hal are still there. And, like, Hal wants to say something, and Dinah's just like, you know what? Stop. Are, are you still going to be on Superman's team? And Hal says, yes, you know, the world is better now. And she's like, then we have nothing to say. And she walks, you know, he, he she basically turns around and waits for Hal to walk away. Superman shows up. And, you know, she, he's trying to say, I'm sorry, and all this. And she's like, you know what? I want to say something to you. And she uses her her uh, ability, her cry, her canary cry, make his ears bleed. And he immediately, like, super speeds up to her face and grabs her mouth. And she's like, that's it, Clark. Do what you do best. You know, show me the real person. You know, sh show me the monster that you really are. And she says, uh, uh, you fooled me like everyone else. I believe that you were like us. I thought you were human, but you're not. Uh, you, uh, you don't see the world like we do. You see humanity as something you need to protect. And uh, that is something fragile. We are not fragile. And we do not, uh, and we will tear you down. And he's like, you better wash your freaking mouth, woman. He doesn't say woman, but, you know, basically in that tone. And she says, look at me closely. Like, do it. I dare you. And he notices that she's pregnant. And she's like, that's right. I'm fighting for two now. And he flies away. And she said, did you get that? Did the, did the retina recorder record everything? And a voice says, yes, Oracle out. Now, I love this because... When he sees that Dinah is pregnant, that triggers something in him because he knows that Lois was pregnant when she died, and he would never do that to a person, you know. Uh, so he—that's why he immediately, you know, walked away. Now, in issue two, issue two was uh, where I did not like it whatsoever i hated this because the very first thing you see is kyle rayner and i was like oh my god it's kyle and if you know me i love kyle kyle is my favorite lantern ever and he was on a mission for almost a year and so he's finally coming back to earth and it jumps to gordon and superman in gotham Superman has, you know, put on the signal and Gordon's going up there and it's like, who the hell put on the signal? He sees that as Superman. He's like, I have nothing to say to you. Superman's, where is he? Where's Batman? And Gordon's like, I don't know. You, I, I, and even if I did know, I wouldn't tell you. And he's like, you are going to tell me. He's like, can't you tell if I'm lying? Can't you like look at my heartbeat? Can't you tell if my pulse is rapidly increasing? I don't know where he is. I'm not lying. And Superman's like, no, you're not lying, but I'll tell you this. You have some lumps on your lungs. Cancer is going to spread fast. I'm sorry. And he walks away. And I'm like, oh, shit. That, thanks for telling me, but that sucks. <laughs> uh, but we do see 
Bruce wake up. He is now in the uh, Tower of Dr. Fate, uh, and he is protected in a space of, you know, uh, between time and space. In the Tower of, of Dr. Fate, uh, Superman believes that there is magic involved in his disappearance, and he's having Raven try to locate them. But we do see Kyle again, and he's flying towards Earth, and then all of a sudden he gets wrapped up, all ar- his arms and legs wrapped by four different yellow lanterns, and you see Sinestro. Uh, and Sinestro basically tells him, uh, there is a power struggle at- on Earth, and you will not see it. And what he does is he grabs his finger, he grabs Kyle's finger, and then he uh, puts a yellow construct around the green uh, ring, and he pulls his finger off. And so, of course, the power ring is no in no way attached to Kyle, so his suit is, you know, coming off undone. He can't breathe, and he says, uh, Now I feel your fear, powerless, naked, cold, alone, in the vacuum of space. There is a war coming, and you will not see it. And you see the other lanterns start pulling, and you see all the limbs of Kyle Rayner start to come off. I am so mad, Tom Taylor. I now know why so many people do not like you right now because there is i'm I'm not going to say here because i don't talk about new books on this show but there is a teaser for a newer book that he is writing that is supposedly going to be the death of a character but this this has gone too far this is i'm i'm like six years too late but i am i'm furious about this no i'm joking um i was very disappointed that I don't get to see Kyle and the rest of this story, but I'm at least I'm glad I'm glad that I got to see him at least once, you know. And he did get one hit on Sinestro, so uh, he went out fighting. Oh man, that sucks. Anyway, uh, issues three through six are basically a story of uh, Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern Guardians, Guy Gardner. And Superman. And it's basically the conversation of the Guardians seeing that there is this power struggle and they need to do something about it. And of course that gu- that Guardian who has something to say about it is Ganthet. Ganthet appoints Guy as the new head of the Sector 2814. And he wants to confront Hal and Superman together. Uh... Superman has Hal Jordan and the Flash go into Congress because Congress is trying to basically, uh, what does he say? He says, um, he says, Congress is about to shut down the U.S. government. And that is basically uh, to hopefully close any outside doors for the U.S. government, including which would be Superman and the Justice League, of course. So Superman basically holds uh, 
Hal and Flash to hold Congress hostage until they basically figure something out that'll better the situation. And they're furious about it. But eventually, Guy and Ganthet get to Earth. They have the conversation with Superman. Superman is very upset that Ganthet would want him to stop doing what he's doing. And, you know, there's a little voice in Superman's, you know, earpiece or whatever saying, hey, ask him the question. And Superman asks Ganthet, did you know about the destruction of Krypton? Were you there to witness it? And Ganthet says nothing. And so Superman's pissed. He's like, how dare you? How dare you say that I don't have the right to do whatever I can to make the world a better place when you idly stood by and watched my planet basically destroy itself so no i'm not going to do that and so ganthet walks away and now sinestro is on superman's team but superman doesn't trust sinestro and sinestro says you don't need to trust me but you are gonna need me and that is the end of that so i very much enjoyed uh, these books I am looking forward to what the uh, what these next issues will be uh, I'm not entirely sure what this next issue I think it's still very much connected to a Green Lantern story oh well you know what there was another big part of this uh, at the very end uh, Commissioner Gordon goes into the uh, tower where Oracle is and she's like like how'd you know about this and she's and he's like I'm a detective I knew exactly who you were this whole time I know that you were Batgirl I know Bruce was Batman and you know they have that hard conversation of like he he says I have cancer and the reason why he you know they have they embrace they have a hug they have a moment but the reason why he went there in the first place is because Superman and Lex deployed his like super army or whatever uh, into Gotham first because it has the worst crime in the country and you know Commissioner Gordon is not okay with it and so he wants to do something about it and Oracle says you know you may know a lot about me but you don't know everything and so she opens a door and you see Huntress, Batwoman, Canary, Catwoman and of course Oracle and it says next Sinestro. So, you know, I love that uh, the Birds of Prey are going to be a part of this, especially since they have been getting a lot of the limelight recently. So, getting to read some of them now is pretty cool. Uh, like I said, I don't know exactly what is going to come of this whole Sinestro story. It looks like Ganthet is taking Hal Jordan off of Earth temporarily. I know. That because of the game, Hal Jordan will eventually be a part of Superman's Justice League still, but not with the same ring color. So I'm excited to see how that happens. But uh, with that, guys, I want to thank you guys so much for choosing this podcast again, uh, listening to me rant. I'm sorry for the crazy tool noises in the background. There's no other way to get around it. Um, I, I just haven't been in the desire to record at night 
because it just gets way too late and you know i'm i'm just get so tired and it's just a blah you know and especially during the during the days that i have to work uh it can get very very tiresome so thank you for putting up with me for now uh hopefully you know this whole kitchen thing will get done pretty quickly and then i can have a normal podcast anyway thank you again and i will see you guys oh today's friday so i will see you guys tomorrow